Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Experience Matters podcast. We've had so many great guests on the past episodes, and we have one of my favorite folks in the world, my friend, my mentor, our CEO of Officium Labs, Jerry Leisure. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Nate. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. What's it like in California today? Well, it's been pretty sunny most of the week. I'm just looking out the windows here. Um, but I don't think we've had rain for four months. So Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. But uh, other than that, you know, we're all we're hunkered in pre-COVID, living the COVID life uh, for now, and just being super impressed with you know how the world is kind of adapting uh, to the virus and figuring out what this new normal looks like, not only for business but also for personal and family. So, but, but thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I'm excited to talk to you uh, today about an important topic. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, you're, you're certainly correct that, that many things are changing. And, and one of those things that is absolutely changing and has been accelerated greatly is the way that we attract the best customer service talent that is out there. Right. And, and our challenge statement today is going to be exactly that. How can we bring the best talent in the world into our organizations to accelerate our customer service and CX results? So Jerry is the right guy for this. If you haven't been following his work on LinkedIn, absolutely do that. He, he is one of the best minds in the world on this topic of the future of work. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have this conversation. Before we jump into that, though, Jerry, I mean, let, let's get to know you a little bit. So the CEO okay. of Officium Labs, yeah. uh, ha- introduce yourself to, to the world here. What else should we know? Uh, so CEO of Officium Labs, uh, we started the company as it happens one year ago. That's right. Congratulations. Yeah, today, one year ago. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, it's also my, somehow it ends up on my anniversary. No way. So it's my 16th anniversary today. So it's the golden anniversary. That's incredible. Uh, uh, so that's pretty cool. So, so that my wife and I are going to spend some time on walks because that, that's what we do now. We're yeah. on a long walk, sure. hang out with each other and have some fun. But, but yeah, so I, I've been kind of in the services industry for 20 some odd years, played many different roles, wore many different hats. And, you know, from frontline customer service agent, workforce management, training, team management, multiple leadership roles. And so there's a group of us that are like, hey, we could do this thing and we could help other companies do this thing. Hmm. Uh, So let's let's build out this idea of a network of workers that we could tap into around the globe that could help companies do cool things in customer service. And so that's kind of what I've been up to lately. Very cool. Well, Jerry, it's uh, it's an honor to to work with you on on these challenges and and to be creating the future of customer service, as, as I really believe it is happening through Fishium. So we have uh, a, an icebreaker for you. Okay. You've lived in many interesting places, uh, but yeah. I'd be curious to know what's the what's the coolest place you've ever lived? Oh, it's so tough. It's so tough, especially if I have friends from all these places that happen to, to wander into our podcast. Mm. Um, I would say that I, I don't, and this might seem like a little bit of a, a waffle, but I don't know that you can have a favorite place to live in the world. Okay, There's just so many different things about different parts of the world that I love. So if, if you say, hey, Jerry, if there's one place that you want to move back to, I would definitely say London. Uh, there's a, the saying uh, from a popular poet back in the 1800s that said, if you're tired of London, you're tired of life. Wow. 
Uh, and oh. I can tell you, after living in London for five years, just a super amazing experience. I love the culture there, the people. I love the ability that you could go all over Europe, Middle East, and Africa to visit all of these other amazing cultures and people mm. and so much history and legacy there. Uh, and then also, I don't know, it's just one of the things I learned in Europe when I was living there was the, the importance of relationships in business and in life. And innately, we're like, yeah, of course, relationships are important. But sometimes, at least earlier in my career, you know, people in the U.S. and business focused more on numbers and data right. and dollars rather than relationships. But, you know, in Europe, when I was there, all the big decisions are made after 530 at dinner or the pub. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just, you know, I think that was one of my favorite places to live. Very cool. Well, I, I had just an absolute ball at the Peer Awards in February. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. My, my first real London experience. I went when I was two, and I ruined that whole trip for my parents by getting very sick as a two-year-old. Um, so I'm glad I didn't do that to you, Jerry. We, we had a good time in London together in yeah, February. We had a lovely time. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Steve Crichton and the Peer Awards folks. We, we love you all, and we had an absolute ball. So thank you for hosting us. So we have, uh, we have this great challenge today. We're talking about yep. the worldwide customer service talent and building these authentic relationships. So thinking through that, I mean, how can we make sure that we, we attract those right folks, those best folks who have just incredible potential in this area to provide exceptional customer service to our customers? And, and how can we get them, no matter where they are in the world, how can we pull them into our organization and let them serve our folks? So we have that challenge statement, and we've got our first big punch coming from Jerry. Jerry, tell us about the decentralization of work. No, I, I think it's I think it's a really important point. Uh, so I grew up in a small town in Texas, and in that small town, you know, there was probably six or seven thousand people, and there's a certain group of jobs that were generally available um, you know, as doctors, nurses, school teachers, some government officials. Then you had kind of your service orient, whether it's retail services, grocery, you know, car services, those types of things. A lot of those, you know, jobs to keep the community going existed, but there weren't a lot of tech jobs. There weren't a lot of opportunities to kind of engage in that. And, and so I wanted to kind of, experiment and experience what tech was like as I grew up and loved computers and loved video games. And so I had to move to a big city um, to go and find that opportunity, right? I had to move to a tech hub to find that opportunity. And so I think that as we've kind of been kind of migrating, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about the future of work lately, but as we've seen the trends of where people want to work and how people want to work, you're seeing this trend. If you look at Glassdoor in 2011, 25% of people were kind of in these types of roles were working, you know, from home. And now it's 50 to 60%, depending on what type of role, right? So yeah. there's this appetite for more remote, you know, more flexible type of work. Uh, but there wasn't always an avenue or a platform you know, to enable that. So I think the, the big punch is you have to widen the talent pool. You have to, you have to say as a company, I'm going to recruit from lot more than 25 miles from where my headquarters is based. And I'm going to think about the global talent pool and the competence and the capability that sits inside of that talent pool. So leveraging, you know, a company like Officium who has a network of workers 
and talent place um, that can provide that or any other company really that has that ability to deliver kind of that flexible pay-as-you-go resourcing in these different geographies around the world widens that pool of that capable talent and diverse talent yeah. that you can bring into your company. So I think punch number one is widening the talent pool. So true. I was in a, a, um, a telecom in November and had this fascinating conversation with the support director there where she really wanted to, to widen the talent pool. She said, we cannot get the talent we need in this town that we live in. And, but she just couldn't, just couldn't figure out a way to do it. Well, that was November. Fast forward the clock. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. what has happened. Yeah. All of a sudden, all these barriers to our ability to tap into remote talent were just kind of mystically removed. That's right. That's and right. And we were forced to go through this process of, of moving our... Everyone said to pivot. Exactly. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of a cool acceleration of, of a principle that was overdue that, that needed to be happening yeah. and now really is. So good. You know, one benefit coming out of <laughs> a, a lot of challenge and a lot of pain for a lot of folks, but I, I think it's accelerating what was already bound to happen in our space, yeah. which is this widening of the talent pool. And, and hopefully we'll create some really great, exciting opportunities for a lot of wonderful people that, that will do fantastic in this work. I think so. I think so. I think you find, I think this probably wanders into punch number two, right? It does. You find that when you give opportunities to individuals, let's say for me, if I was you know, in a, a Texas town um, and I decided to stay there, right? right, instead of move to the big city, uh, if I had a tech opportunity, kind of the purpose and the meaning that I would be getting out of my professional life being able to live where I want to live kind of gives me the ability to say, hey, this is cool. I want to stay working with this company. So kind of that second punch is by widening that talent pool, you get to retain that talent pool because mm. they get to live where they want to live and work where they want to work and they get to do it in a synergistic way, right? And so I think that, yeah, it's the double punch, right? Yes. <laughs> and so not a, by companies widening that pool, then you actually decrease attrition you increase your overall competence and then that, that tribal knowledge or that knowledge that kind of gets retained in your organization doesn't have to be shared and reshared and reshared and shared. It, it gets to be retained and, and then that allows you to deliver kind of the highest level of customer service or customer experience or whatever the role is that you're using a wider, a wider kind of virtual talent pool for. No, oh, man, I, there's so much to be said for the power of this. I mean, one, it, it's fascinating to me looking at the numbers of how much it costs to have attrition. Yeah. It's, it's crippling for an organization. But then beyond the, the expense of it, I mean, so Jerry and I both have the pleasure of, of serving inside of a Fortune 10 company, helping to transform their customer service operations. And, and we have this, this story that's fascinating capability to, to quickly transform their support center. And I think what, what has been one of the cornerstones of that transformation is nearly a hundred percent retention mm. of that talent inside of that team. That's right. Because of that anchor, because of that consistency, it has allowed us to generate meaningful change through that mechanism very quickly. If yeah. there was people leaving that team and, and that attrition was going on, there's no way we could have made the changes that we made in the time frame that we did it. That's right. That's right. Mm. And I think, you know, when you retain your talent, leveraging kind of a virtual workforce you also i mean there's some benefits that you'll save 
on infrastructure and other things of a nature, which is normal. But you also save, if you look at the, t the numbers, like billions and billions of dollars could be saved a year and yeah. not needing to recruit and hire repeatable, like the same roles over and over, right? So I think that that, that second punch is pretty critical. Mm. And, and the idea of creating a recruitment beacon mm. inside of your community. So, I mean, this, this concept of offering great jobs in a small town or a place that doesn't traditionally have these great customer service jobs, when you have a person that gets hooked into that, uh, just think about the pride that they exude. That's right. That's for right. the job that they have. And, and they're the best of the best are going to be attracted to that same thing. Yeah. I mean, that's what we find. So in our talent place solution, which is a, a network of frontline customer service and game beta testers around the world, we find that they want to keep coming back to do the same types of roles and they want to keep working with those products. Hmm. And what attracted to them first is that they were super fans of those products. They're like, hey, I want to work on that product. I love that product. Yeah. And now, like, think of about yourself kind of as a brand ambassador or as someone that's paying attention to, like, product stickiness or LTV. If you have these workers that are kind of super fans of your product that are completely virtual and can pay as you go, you, you get this workforce that are brand ambassadors that support you that are willing to go above and beyond for your customers than just a traditional kind of services, you know, employee might be. And so you, you kind of get that interesting knock on effect, which I, which I think is when we, when we started out Officium and Talent Place, we didn't register that benefit right away, but about four to five months in, we started to see kind of that knock on benefit that was happening, which is pretty amazing when you, when you, it's kind of like when you believe in people, and let them live where they want to live, then they're going to be reinvested back towards you. So it's an interesting kind of circle of events there. Yeah, it's amazing how much of a magnet somebody yeah. is when they're happy and they love their jobs. That's right. And people are drawn to that, and they're going to want to be a part of that. So it, it is cool to see that happen inside of our Talent Place Network, which leads really well, again, into punch number three, which, I mean, as we invest in these communities, as we unlock this this talent inside of the community there's something else that happens there's another thing that gets unlocked what is that jerry well i mean it's a it's a great point so if we go back to my texas example right so i grew up in texas six seven thousand people in the town not an extremely wealthy town wonderful people lovely people capable people right um, but they just don't have the same opportunities uh, as you know maybe big tech hubs or big cities have and so when you think about the definition of officium, so it's Latin for service. And so part of that definition is one was to, to build a network of workers that can serve the businesses. But the second component of that is how do we build a network of workers that can serve their local community? And then how do we think about the decentralization of wealth hmm. by leveraging, you know, talent place and hiring people from where they live locally, right? So instead of putting all the key tech hires, so instead of me having to go 2,000 miles to San Francisco, right, to get a, a cool tech job, I could get a tech job in my local community or within an hour of, of where my family lives, right? And I could bring some of that, that prosperity yeah. that people experience in big tech hub type of cities. Mm -hmm. I could bring that prosperity to my local community um, just kind of as, a, as an enabler or as a side effect of being able to have a virtual job, right? And so then you then you think about how can we serve our local communities? You think about if you can hire 
a hundred people or a thousand people or ostensibly a million people in these local communities, yeah. then you, 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 you shift the macroeconomics of wealth to, to be more balanced and more yeah. of a shared prosperity, uh, which is something that I learned in other countries that I've lived in as well, is that shared prosperity is an important component. I think there's large companies like Samsung that have shared prosperity in their core values, which tells you something you know, kind yeah. of unique about them. And, and so that shared prosperity is something that we believe in officium that you know, we need to, as the world transforms, even with COVID and post-COVID, you know, helping people find opportunities and purpose and letting them live where they want to live allows for that third punch of shared prosperity. And I, I think that's like one of the key fundamental things that when we built out the Officium Network and our, our Talent Place product is that we wanted to be able to figure out how do we do that. Yeah, that's so cool. And, and as a Talent Place worker myself, there's been two days in the past few months where where Jerry and Scott, as the co-owners of Fishium, they've encouraged me to go out and serve in my community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I've had opportunities to go and do that. And that's something that you do for all of us is making sure that we are investing authentically into the communities that we live, creating that meaningful yeah. work. So wealth is definitely an aspect of it, but but just the the prosperity of time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so time cool. and purpose, yeah. Absolutely. And, and the scholarships that we've been able to award. Uh, just I mean, it, yeah. it's just been fantastic. There's just so many people that are talented in so many different communities in the U.S., around the world. And there's like in my family, there's so many different types of people. Yeah. And they live in so many different country towns across America. And my family is just like other families that are across America hmm. and and maybe not rural or country towns, maybe they're kind of mid-city, midterm cities or whatever, but they're not tech hubs. And and we should be leveraging that talent, leveraging their capability, their potential, their runway in much more meaningful ways than we do today. And so we're hoping that, you know, Officium is not the only company that's doing this. There's probably going to be five or six or 10 of these companies that pop up just because there's so much opportunity to help people find purpose. Yeah. And that then turns into value for your business. Because if you take care of your people, you're taking care of your bottom line. And so I think using a virtualized workforce helps you to accomplish both goals. It just makes sense. It's just great business. It's great for the people. It's great for the organization. I feel like in a way you're the the John Mellencamp of customer service. I don't know about that. Isn't he the one that sings, <laughs> I was born in a small town, died a small enough. town? Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I was going between that and Bruce Springsteen. I couldn't remember which one it is. <laughs> I think it was John Mellencamp. Good, okay, nailed it. Yeah. Uh, well, well, amazing. Well, Jerry, I mean, as we as we close out this episode here, is, is there anything that you wanted to leave the audience with? I, I think the you touched on an interesting point, which is, really important and that's i was reading a book and it was talking about the importance of bringing joy into the day-to-day life and i think that just seems so relevant now with what's going on with covid and how difficult and challenging it is for everyone that's involved Um, and so as we as we as we think about joy that we can bring into people's lives on a day-to-day basis imagine the joy the worker that can't find a job today in COVID now is able to get a job because of a virtual network that's set up to enable them to work for an awesome Fortune 10 company or an awesome product that they love. So I would just leave leave that with us. Let us continue to innovate. Let us continue to evolve. 
Ethysium doesn't have all the answers, uh, but we're, we're going down a journey that we imagine other companies are starting to go down. And as, as kind of a global workforce of leaders, let's think about flexible, new, different ways that we can help bring joy to people's life, help local communities, and in return, help really prepare all our business forward. Thanks for the time today, Nate. Beautiful. Love it, Jerry. Everybody be sure to connect with Jerry on LinkedIn as we continue this, this journey together. Uh, use me as a resource. Use Jerry as a resource. And check out officiumlabs.io uh, for more about that talent place solution. And until our next episode, make experiences that matter. Thank you. All right.